all for the storyline, I guess. Hey everybody and welcome back to Champion's Breakfast. Um, it's me, Hannah, and this week I'm, yeah, I'm not even going to like lube you up first. I'm just going to go straight in because I am so fucking excited to talk to you about a new obsession. The little fangirl that I thought died in me back when Twilight finished up has come back with a new fan favourite that I'm struggling not to binge straight through so that I can actually do this episode is season one of Fruits Basket. I have heard about, or I had heard about this heaps, um, especially at uh, SmashCon when I went last year, this year, far out. This year when I went to SmashCon, they had the trailer play for the final season of Fruits Basket and everyone lost their fucking minds. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, maybe, I don't know. Turns out, I wish I got on the bandwagon a lot longer ago, a long time ago, because honestly, this is some shit that I didn't realise that I was going to be so obsessed with. And I wish that I kind of got on the hype train when everybody was watching the final seasons so that I could live it with everybody. But in saying that, there's a movie that's going to come out next year, so I'm pretty hyped for that. Anywho... Before we jump into the actual show, let me give you a little bit of information um, about it. Again, we're going to go through some My Anime List fun facts. <laughs> so season one, 25 episodes. A lot longer than some of the stuff I've been watching lately, like Classroom of the Elite, which had 12. Um, Coach Roy Lives Alone, which had 12 Everything seems to have 12 now, like 12 seems to be like the base number. So I was kind of excited that there was 25, something for me to actually sink my teeth into. Um, season one came out in the spring 2019 drop. So it, I thought that it came out in 2020, but I'm completely wrong. This is the remake that I'm doing as well. So this is the one that came out in spring 2019, not the one that came out in 2001, which we're going to get into a bit later. Um, the studio that did it was TMS Entertainment. And if they sound a little bit familiar, that's probably because they currently are doing Dr. Stone. They've also done Bucky, Orange, Relife, um, and heaps of others that were written in Japanese and I'm scared of pronoun pronouncing them on a podcast. <laughs> uh, Fruits Basket is a drama. It's a fantasy. It's a romance, which generally is not my flavor. Like I love the shonen, but I occasionally swing into the slice of life. But this show really surprised me. It, the, the fantasy element, I think I had to have because I fucking love fantasy. The drama, didn't really care for it, but it turns out it was fantastic. And the romance guys the fucking romance had me dying <laughs> um this show currently sits season one currently sits at with a score of 8.22 and i checked on my anime list just to see like what was around the 8.22 mark and the only things that i could see that were roughly somewhat familiar was bungo stray dogs season three 
And Psyche K, which I haven't seen either, but I know that there's a big following because people keep telling me to watch them. And Bungo Stray Dogs is the one that is on my watch list at the moment. So it may be coming in hot soon. (laughs) As for characters, voice actors, I watched this show in um, English, Shock Horror. And so I checked up on the voices that kind of, you know, sounded familiar, but mainly just our three protagonists. So for Toru Honda, she was voiced by Laura Bailey and that voice you might have heard, uh, she played Kushina Uzumaki, so Naruto's mum, Trunks in the Dragon Ball series and Suzuku Kururugi. Don't know if I said that right, haven't seen it, but it's from Code Geass. Code Geass? Eh, if you've watched it, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, Kyo Soma, he was voiced by Jerry Jewell and he plays Victor Nikforov in Yuki on Ice, um, Kaoru Nagasa in Evangelion, Evangelion, I don't know, and Leon in Fairy Tale, as we know, my fucking favourite. Um, and finally, Yuki. So I only did the first three, but Yuki Soma, he was voiced by Eric Vale. And this one excited me. I picked this one up straight away. He is Tomura Shigaraki in My Hero Academia. He is Sanji in One Piece. And he is Licked in Plunderer. So three of my favorite shows voiced by Yuki Soma in Fruits Basket, which is now also one of my favorite shows. (laughs) It was very exciting. Um, So yeah, that's just like a little background. Now I'm going to get into why they did the remake after we go through the show. So sit back, relax, and get ready for the recap. Okay, so we are introduced to start off the series to Toru Honda. She's a high school girl, shock horror. I have somehow found myself living through high school anime children lately. Um, And she's been left living in a tent in the woods after the death of her mother. It seems like Toru was living with her grandfather after becoming an orphan, but then they needed some house renovations. And for some reason, she has no other choice but to live alone in a tent in the woods rather than live with her family. She doesn't want to burden people. So she's just decided this is the best course of action. So, yeah. (laughs) Unknowingly, though. Toru has been camping on the grounds of the Soma estate. This is a mysterious family. They're pretty much on par with the Cullen crew. If you ever watched Twilight and if you haven't, you're going to be pretty upset because this show is literally Twilight. I'm going to prove my point as we go on. (laughs) Um, This is my thesis. Get ready for the debate. Toru decides that it is a nice day for some trespassing and she decides to go on a stroll in the Soma backyard and instantly gets caught by Shigure and Yuki. Toru recognises Yuki because he's another student in her class and this is where the Twilight storyline just gets stronger. Yuki is perceived as the prince of the school and all of the female students are in love with him, yet he remains aloof. He has no desire to touch or interact with any of them. Hello, Edward. And he's even pushed away a girl who has tried to hug him in the past. (laughs) 
Yuki is often laughed at for being so beautiful that he's almost feminine and he even has his own little harem that follow him around and they secretly and stalkerishly hide behind poles and hide in classrooms and hide everywhere around the school just to watch him. They don't talk to him, they just watch him. Weird. In typical rom-com style, the Somers invite this complete and absolute stranger who has just trespassed to live with them after hearing about the fact that she's been camping on her on their property instead of calling the cops and getting her ass sent back home to her family. Now, if you have watched this show, then you will agree, hopefully, that the setup for this series is completely fucking ridiculous. If you want to hide a secret, don't invite someone that you caught snooping around your house to live with you. Like it's rule one in the Secret Keepers playbook, right? (laughs) Yeah, I I can't. (laughs) I mean, I love the show, but that like premise, fucking stupid, man. While unpacking her things and setting up her new bedroom, our third main character, Kyo, crashes through the roof to fight Yuki. Amongst all of this confusion and arguing, Toru slips and somehow accidentally bump hugs Kyo, who instantly turns into a cat. Immediately after this, our little clumsy queen stumbles again and crashes into Shigure, who turns into a dog, and Yuki, who turns into a rat. Like I said, if you have a family secret, let alone a family secret that means that when you hug someone of the opposite sex, you turn into a fucking farm animal, do not invite a strange girl to live with you. Who doesn't know about the secret? Who's clumsy as fuck? Like, uh, uh. <laughs> so it turns out that the Soma family, they were cursed with the ability to turn into their zodiac animal when they hug anyone of the opposite sex. They can, however, hug each other that are also Zodiac shapeshifters. So Kyo could hug a female Zodiac member, um, but he couldn't hug Toru without turning into the cat. The Zodiac story is based around a god who was holding a feast. This god invited 13 animal friends of his, and during the trip to the feast, the rat tricked the cat into missing the feast and he tricked the ox into allowing him to be carried pretty much the whole way so that he could be first in line. Apparently every time that one of these Zodiac animals passes away, they're reincarnated and the process has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. And this is now the new generation of Zodiacs. Due to this being the tale that everybody in the family knows, the cat is seen as stupid or not nothing of value in the family, and the rat is seen as conniving and untrustworthy. And so their human counterparts of Yuki and Kyo carry that burden for the family to place their blame on. Even though the family carry this kind of hatred, somewhat loose hatred, well, except for Akito, who hates them, and we will get to that in a second because I have a shit ton to say about him, the family is full of chaotic good characters. Like they each have these heartbreaking and intricate backstories that lo and behold are all full of neglect and abuse. (laughs) Like 
did I mention that this is a slice of life rom-com already? Like it already has a way though of interweaving humor and sweet interactions in amongst all of these horrific displays of abuse. Back to the story anyway. So the show, I'm going to get caught off. I'm going to get distracted during this because it like, honestly, it's really, it tackles a lot of shit, this show. So the story then just follows the lives of Toru, Kyo and Yuki and their inevitable and adorable and agonizing love triangle. And it forms as the boys both fall in love with this absolutely clueless girl who has the most Pisces energy I have ever seen in my life. Think every Disney princess blended into one. And we're kind of like halfway to how kind and generous this girl is, but also determined and brave in a helpless way. (laughs) This love triangle lasts the entire season. And there's only a hint towards the end of who she might end up with. And that's in like the final episode, which I, I sat around for 25 episodes and I still don't know. <laughs> it's hinted, but it's not told. Come on, man. So as the show continues, we do get introduced to the other Zodiac members. And I have to say that Momoji has to be my favorite outside of the throuple. He is two years younger than the gang and he loves to dress in feminine clothing, but he has the absolute sweetest personality. He loves Toru deeply and he forms probably one of the strongest bonds with her outside of the family that she lives with. Um, Momoji is the rabbit zodiac and his backstory is where we learn a lot of the depths of the curse outside of the immediate family. Or outside of the immediate individual, actually. Like, this is the first time that we get an understanding of how it affects other people apart from just the one that shapeshifts. So, for example, Momoji explains about the fact that newborns, newborn males, can't be held by their mother because then they will shapeshift. So, even as a child trying to breastfeed, they can't be held. Or even... You know, if they fall over and hurt themselves or the mother just wants a cuddle, she cannot hug her own child. For this reason, his mother and so many others go down a very dark path of depression with some even taking their own lives, such as Kyo's. Momoji's mother attempted to take her own life. However, she was stopped and then she had her memory erased instead, which leads her to live a happy life with her husband, a new daughter, and absolutely no idea who Momoji is. Fucking heartbreaking. So for this reason, Momoji hangs around the hotel that Toru works at and helps her clean. Um, It's only later that we find out that he mainly does this because his father owns the hotel and his mother and sister come in to visit. So he helps out at the hotel so that he can catch a glimpse of the family that left him behind. Get me the fucking tissues. This is where I was like, holy shit, there is like depth to this show and it is devastating. I honestly really loved this whole storyline as depressing as it is because it does take away that comedic effect of the situation where the boys are transferring, transforming into these cute animals and then reappearing naked. Um, 
it made the Zodiac situation real. Like it gives us a slap of reality that changes our understanding immediately of every male Zodiac character and their relationship with their parents and their upbringing. Like they never got that contact with their own mother. So the storyline here really humanizes the situation. However, if you've watched the show, it's also important to remember that there's not many good parents in this show. In the Soma family, at least, all of the parents, except for heroes, are pretty shit. <laughs> um, so speaking of the other characters, we also meet Hatsuharu. He's the ox and he's pretty fucking sexy for an anime character, let me just say. Um, Kisa, she is the tiger hero. He's the lamb who is in love with Kisa and it's just the cutest little romance. And Hattori, the seahorse, which is meant to be the dragon. And my issue here is they created a show about people turning into animals. However, the idea of including a, a dragon was too unbelievable, so they had to make Hattori turn into a seahorse, which is so shit. Um, logic defies me in, with this point, but oh well. We also meet Yuki's older brother, Ayame. He is the snake, and he completely takes over the show and becomes like an instant favourite. He has a flashback scene where we see that he was a member of the student council, and there was this debate where all of the male students that were in relationships or that were trying to get girls were starting to fail their grade. And so Ayame puts up this selfless and brave option and proclaims that anyone that needs him, he will be a bottom for them so that they won't fail from being distracted by women. And when I say bottom here, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. I adore IMA. <laughs> um, finally, in season one, the last Zodiac member that I want to mention is Kaguya, the boar. So Kaguya is desperately in love with Kyo, who wants nothing more than to get away from her. And so it creates a form of comedy because we see like her attempts at literally forcing him to love her like a fucking stalker. But, you know, like, in a cute way. <laughs> um, it's also kind of sad to watch this happen because we can see Kyo's relationship developing and getting stronger and stronger with Toru. And Kaguya is so in love with Kyo, but at the same time, she can hug him. She comes and hugs him all the time. And it's like the one person that she can touch and love and be able to potentially form a strong relationship and a strong bond with doesn't want her back so again devastating like <laughs> this show man this it's I don't know why I fucking love this so much but it's just so sad like it makes me think about how Kotaro lives alone depressing as fuck like that show is so upsetting but it's probably one of my all-time favorites and this show which yes it has some cute moments but it's also just equally as depressing Maybe I just love depressing shit. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, so throughout the show, we do see the trio starting to grow closer and closer. And some scenes actually show us how much the boys care. And at the same time, how unwilling they are to discuss how much they care. Like a bunch of fools. 
One particular episode does focus on the fact that Toru can move home with her family again. Um, The renovations are all done. And so after packing up and taking everything back home, we realise that her family, except for her grandfather, are a bunch of fuck knuckles. (laughs) They treat her so shitty in the first five seconds of her being there. Like her cousin is complaining about the fact that she has to share a room now. Her family members like her auntie and her I think maybe her boy cousin they're talking about the fact that she lived with boys and it was scandalous but at the same time they didn't take her in and Toru was living in a tent what the fuck else was she supposed to do nobody has a good family in this show well the families are shit I just I just don't get it (laughs) Anyway, the boys working together for the first time are actually eavesdropping and like listening to all of this happen and Toru's crying because all she wants to do is go back home to the boys. I also want to note, apparently one of the major themes of this show is trespassing because Yuki then jumps through the window after eavesdropping on their property as Toru is crying. And look, it's even though, yeah, I joke about the trespassing, it's actually the sweetest little moment because everyone is displaying just how much they care about one another. They all walk home holding hands. The boys are being all protective in front of the family. Kyo is saying like his little Kyo, you know, nonchalant way, like that he loves her. I mean, he doesn't say that he loves her, but he takes her home and I fucking love it. So as much as I love to hate romance, especially romance like this. I love this. <laughs> I like subtle romance. Like, because I watch Shonen, man. Like, I don't see this blatant love come to life. And Fruits Basket has really, like, opened up this love for romances. After I watched this, because I didn't want to go on and watch season two, I actually watched Sasaki and Miano. And if you haven't seen that and you like Fruits Basket, please go and watch it. Like it's in the same vein as Fruits Basket and Horamiya and Sasaki and Miano. It was so beautiful. And I'm going to do an app on this because I fucking loved it so much. And I hope that there is a remake, not a remake, sorry, a season two. I don't want a remake. It was so good. Anyway, back to Fruits Basket. Um, other scenes also work to show the relationship that's blossoming with these three, a little thruple, um, such as the New Year's Eve episode. We see the boys that are heading back to the main house and leaving Toru alone for a few days. They're kind of conflicted about it, but she says, you know, it's fine, I'll be all right. Um, and it's only once the boys run into Toru's best friends, who are great characters, they inform them that it's the first New Year's that Toru will be alone since her mother passed. And with that, their hearts grow three sizes and they realise that they're being utter douchebags by leaving her alone. <laughs> they run back to her. And like when I say run, they run. Very Love Actually style. Out of breath, legs are pumping. It's all happening. They're going up you know, a hundred stairs, a million miles an hour just to get back to the girl that they both love. And they find her just sitting, crying with a framed photo of her mother in front of her and a cup of tea. 
this show really knows how to tug on the fucking heartstrings in this series. Like I can only imagine how I'm going to go when this ends because it currently has me back in the Twilight chokehold. And instead of it being Team Jacob and Team Edward, right now it's Team Yuki and Team Kyo. And I'm not going to be secretive about it. I want it to be Kyo. Like he is, oh, he's just everything. (laughs) Um, So I also loved seeing all the different personalities of the Zodiacs and learning a lot more about them because I do believe that this show really tackles some challenging topics throughout it. There's really heavy themes of childhood neglect and being an unwanted child, which was so intense, particularly in Momoji's case um, and in Kyo's case and in Yuki's case, fucking everyone's. Um, But it was done so beautifully as they allowed the monologue to come through and really explain the grief that he feels or that each one of them feels while being able to hold space for what they're going through and work through it, trying to have a happy life. In Momoji's case, like he deserves a fucking world because he goes and watches his family without him, a family that has no idea except for his father, who he is and He's so happy with it. As long as his mother is safe and his sister is safe and they're happy, he doesn't need to have them know who he is. And he is just, this is what, Momoji is the goat, man. Like he is the best thing that's happened to this show. Like I love everybody, but I'm actually kind of convincing myself that Momoji is the favorite. Maybe, fuck it. Maybe I hope that Toru ends up with Momoji. Um, there's also a lot of themes around parental loss, which is kind of like the other end of the spectrum, but it's also just as intense. These are children that have faced undeniable traumatic experiences and they carry their grief with them in so many different ways. Toru, for example, had lost her mother and she's seen forcing herself to smile and beating herself up internally if she appears sad as she doesn't want to hurt the people that are around her. And it's obvious throughout the season that she is living for the people around her, including the parents that are no longer here. Um, and Kyo, you know, he's lost his mother, but in a different show and display of emotion, he is isolating himself and hating himself and really trying his hardest not to deserve happiness or not to even form connections with other people. It's really, really interesting. But it's also, you know, a tale as old as time where we can see that the happiest person in the form of Toru, Momoji, um, I'm assuming Shigure, um, they, all of these ones that just are so happy carry some of the most severe pain and self-hatred. And finally, another theme that comes up in this, abuse. Fucking Akito. Let's get into it. (laughs) So the head of the family, Akito, is an extremely feminine man. I actually thought that Akito was a woman for the longest time until someone said man. And I was like, oh, weird. Point being, though, Akito is fucking deranged. I have no other way to describe him 
No other adjectives that I want to use except deranged. He appears to hate this family that he claims he needs and he is so egotistical and abusive and violent to all of them. In the story of the Soma family and the Zodiac members, he is the reincarnation of the God. Um, And I'm going to say God, but I'm going to like have inverted commas with this because I don't understand the bonds that form them yet. They keep saying that he's the head of the family and what he says goes and whatnot, but like I just don't understand. Can he shapeshift? How do these bonds work? All I know is that he's also appearing almost tortured because we only ever see him looking really depressed in a dark room um, or hurting the people that he has these so-called bonds with, like beating up Kisa because she loves Hiro and Hiro loves her, Um, psychologically abusing Yuki who was locked up as a child in Akito's room and isolated from everyone else and also threatening to lock up Kyo after graduation for the rest of his life simply for being the cat. Akito is not my favourite <laughs> and I would relish in the opportunity to drop kick him over a fence. Thank you. That was all I will say about Akito because I'm done with him. <laughs> um, so the season ends with Kyo revealing that the cute cat is not in fact his true form and he's forced into showing Toru what he actually looks like when he transforms. So the bracelet that he wears um, actually restrains his transformations and after it's removed, he transforms into a monster that smells of burning flesh and he can't take Toru looking at him, so he runs away. Toru in these moments, we see the determination that I mentioned before and she continually comes back and pushes her way back to him again and again and again with Kyo actually, you know, flinging her and even hurting her in the process to try and get her to leave him alone because he cannot accept this love. He doesn't understand why she loves him when his mother, who was meant to love him, hated this form. For some reason, Toru just keeps coming back. It's because she loves you. (laughs) She fucking loves him. So the determination in Toru to stay by his side, and you can hear it in my fucking voice right now. Sorry to swear so much, but like I'm so excited. (laughs) The adrenaline is pumping. Um, The determination in Toru and the foreshadowing of who she will choose, I believe, is revealed here because she continually fights to get back to grotesque Kyo and she's hugging his changed and yucky body <laughs> um, and her monologue is just gushing over how she needs him and she's not going to let him go and she's not going to turn her back on him and that essentially she loves him without saying that but I know that that's what she meant, bitch. Um Kyo finally returns back to human and the two cry and they cuddle and then he turns into a cat and it's pretty obvious that the relationship between these two have now deepened well past what Yuki and Toru have and thank the heavens because I love the awkward love that these two have. I am team Kyo all the way and Kyo's whole story 
of being hated by everybody that he comes into contact with is truly devastating. I think the relationship between him and Toru is one of growth for both of them. One, Kyo trying to let someone love him and accepting this love that he doesn't think that he deserves. And Toru learning to love after her mother, like learning to accept that, yes, your mum has passed away and you loved her deeply, but it is okay to continue and move forward and love Kyo. I just don't see Yuki bringing anything like that to Toru's life, but I know that there's a huge fan base between Toru and Yuki, so I'm going to zip that up. Um, but yeah, the, the relationship between them two seems to be one of growth and allowing love to come in and also the friendships that she brings along with her. Like Kyo is brought into the friendship group that Toru has and that again, he has to allow this love to actually, you know, wash over him, that it's okay. And so I think that this is the storyline that I'm most invested in. Their f- growth, their love and where they will go. And also like what's going to happen to Yuki if these two to get together or what's going to happen to Kyo if Toru and Yuki get together. But yeah. So trauma is shit. That's the point of this story. <laughs> but it also tackles so many different forms of it while drizzling in a little element of fun and fantasy. Um, and I was high key, super impressed with it. I'm pretty keen to get into a lot more of this show, especially season two, now that season one is done and dusted. And I'm going to give it out of five stars. I'm probably going to give it like five. I was so impressed with this show. I didn't expect it to be as great as it was. And I binged the shit out of this. And it gave me the platform to want to explore more romance anime and it brought me to Sasaki and Miyano. And, you know, I'd already watched Horimiya, but like I said, these kind of things really took me by surprise. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna try I'm gonna try a few more. And if anybody has, you know, recommendations on animes like this or even manga that's like this, I'm really impre- in sorry, I'm really intrigued. So um, if you've got recommendations, I have no idea where to start with this shit. I'm a shonen girl through and through. So please help me. <laughs> um, now, like I said, in my research, I found that there was actually an original anime before this 2019 remake that was released in 2001. So I decided to find out why the remake happened. And boy, oh boy, it looks like we have another case of The Promised Neverland on our hands. <laughs> um, not only was the art style completely different, the characters had really, really small heads with big eyes and big noses. The noses looked like they could actually cut glass, um, but the eye colours were wrong. Toru had blue instead of brown. Um, Yuki had purple eyes instead of grey. And in Kyo's true form, he had purple eyes as well instead of orange, which is weird. Um, Toru's personality appeared significantly weaker. Well, let's be honest, (laughs) she's a little bit of a pussy. Um, In the end, her determination and like I said, her passion 
shining through her fear when she sees Kyo's true form is like it's a really big moment for her to be pushed away and hurt and continually getting up and like going back to him. In the original anime, Toru actually has to be convinced to chase Kyo. Hanajima, her friend, actually has to convince Toru to run after him, which I find this decision is a very instrumental moment in the strength of their bond. So taking that autonomous decision away from Toru, I feel, is really stupid for the storyline. Like Yuki also, in the original, holds down Kyo to force Toru to confess her feelings. And the fact that this is a forced admission, they're both being forced, one's being forced to tell him, one's being forced to listen to her, it just changes the natural blossoming moment that these two have of, you know, it's like an intimate moment. He's pushing her away and she's just so in love and he's in love and they share that beautiful hug afterwards. Like they took all of that away and it becomes something different. And it could also be like, is that the way that she actually feels? Or is it because there's the element or the possibility that Kyo is going to run away forever that she's being forced to say this and it just it just ruins the natural feeling of it for me I don't like it and I don't know why they did that but yeah um also in the original they completely take out the baseball cap it does not exist now I haven't mentioned it yet but in the show in the remake there's a baseball cap and when Toru was little she got lost she couldn't find her way home and she was lost in the city crying and this little boy came and found her and she tried to chase him because she didn't want to be alone. She finally found someone. She tried to chase him as much as she possibly could and every time she'd turn a corner and think that she'd lost him, he was there waiting and then he would run again and she would follow him until she found her way back home. When she gets home, the boy takes his baseball cap off and puts it on her head and then he runs away and she's home and she keeps this hat. She keeps it and she actually has it when she's in the Soma house. Now it turns out that that little boy was actually Yuki when he broke out of the Soma estate and being imprisoned by Akito. But they completely got rid of that. And this is like a big moment for the Toru and Yuki relationship. Whereas we can see the blossoming romance between Toru and Kyo, which is just happening happening organically and beautifully, um, it's interesting because it, I see why people are also cheering for Yuki because they have this really historical, beautiful moment together. And it's really interesting that they would take that out completely and they would add in Yuki holding down Kyo. In the 2001 version it does almost sound like there was never a possibility for Yuki to be in this triangle that it was never a triangle that everybody knows from the start that it's Kyo and Toru because to take out that it takes away their their history it takes away the fact that they knew each other that they helped each other it takes away everything and then having Yuki there holding to holding Kyo down is his blessing, you know? Why would he be doing that? He doesn't do anything like that in the series, in the show. So I didn't like it, but eh, 
<laughs> um, so fans of the manga hated it. It's the fact that they've omitted certain things that were meant to be included, literally one of the biggest plot lines that connects all three from childhood, just gone. Um, and fans of the manga were really happy to hear about the remake in 2019. Um, look, hearing that this happened because fans of the manga hated the show gives me hope that one day the promised Neverland will be given a second breath of life. Honestly, I still haven't finished season two because I am appalled. Fucking appalled. They cut out so much of that show, of that manga, and characters, I'm just, I, ooh I have a lot to say about that show. And I don't even want to give it my energy to do a whole episode on it. All I'm going to say is The Promised Neverland deserved better. It needed at least five seasons, possibly four. We can do it. We can take four, not two. How do they get season one so right? And then season two, they fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so frustrated with that show. Please, Lord Jesus, savior above. Um, how you doing? Please give us a reboot of The Promised Neverland. And uh, amen. <laughs> Anywho, um, in the original as well, the author, uh, Natsuki Takuya, had really, really limited say or involvement in – and he was even, like, disagreeing with the creative team. Um, but in this reboot, he was completely overseeing production and Takuya even had a chance to include a lot of the bonus manga scenes that he'd written or storylines that he wanted to originally include in the manga. So it's really interesting to see – one, they completely and royally fucked up the first one. I don't, I just don't understand why they take something that's so loved and they, they're making it because it's so loved and they change it and think that people who are so passionate about this story and about these characters are just going to be okay with it. It's like Avatar all over again. Oh my God. I cannot wait for that show to come out, by the way. If... It's shit. I'm done with with Avatar remakes. Like we've already seen a few come through. Oh, I hope that it's better than the last one. Anywho, that's pretty much everything that I wanted to talk about with Fruits Basket. And I'm so excited to get into season two. Hopefully it's not going to go the way of The Promised Neverland. But seeing as though there's only three seasons and the final season was so heavily awaited and it's got like, one of the greatest scores or, you know, just reception that I've seen in a long time. I'm really excited to get into it. So watch this space, I guess. <laughs> now, as always, if you want to get in touch with me, please just reach out. My Instagram handle is at champs be fast pod champions breakfast. Um, and my outlook is champions breakfast at outlook.com. So if you want to email me, if you want to get in touch with me in any way, just jump on one of those platforms. Um, 
As always, thank you so much for recommending things. I never thought that I was going to be a fruits basket lady and here I am. So if you have any follow-ups in this genre, send it my way. Um, at the moment, I'm getting back into the what is it, the fall 22 season that's coming out. So I've been watching, um, you know, My Hero Academia that's coming out and Spy Family. And um, yeah, so I'm I'm really excited to kind of shake things up now that I've started. One Piece movie is going to come out soon. I'm hooked on One Piece right now, but I'm not up to the movie yet. So I'm hoping that I can make it in time. We will see. Otherwise, I'm just going to have to wait just like I did with Jujutsu Kaisen. And I did that. Thank the Lord. I suffered, but I did it. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to stop like bagging her out in your ears. So yeah, if you want to get in touch, you know how. And I hope that you all have a wonderful, wonderful week. Bye for now. Bye.